Welcome back to another episode of the Darkness Prevails podcast, The Global Campfire, where real people like you share their true stories of horror, the unexplained, and the supernatural. What have you experienced? Today I've got 15 allegedly true stories for you, 10 of which are sightings of skinwalkers, the Native American witch who dons the skin of animals, to multiply its creepy factor by at least five, then five more stories of the straight up ridiculously horrifying things that go on in the woods. Maybe, uh, maybe it's time to just stay out of there, stay on the couch, eat a cookie, watch reruns of SpongeBob. Anyway, before you enjoy these scary stories, remember to share your story for a chance to have it on the show. Just go to darknessprevails.org. Also, follow or subscribe so you never miss another story, no matter what platform you're on. And if you're on iTunes, please take a moment before or after the show to leave an honest review. We're up to 318 reviews, so let's get that to 400. Thank you. Now, let's dive right in. Backpacking Trip and Possible Skinwalker by Cole D. A couple of years back, I went on a camping trip and a summer camp excursion. This excursion happened to be a backpacking trip around the Mount Hood area, the Timberline area to be specific. The first night wasn't so bad, but in the middle of night, I heard some noises that I prayed were just coyotes or deer. But what came after that made little sense to me and to the others I was camping with. You see, one of the people I was bunking with told me that in the middle of the night, I woke up, walked right outside, and made my way into the forest until I finally laid down near a creek bed. Horrified, I explained to them why this scared me. I've never been a sleepwalker, never have, not once in my life. I'm not sure they believed me, but worse was soon to come. The following day, one of the other campers sprained or broke something around his wrist, and we had no first aid or communication with the outside world, so we had to improvise and make a makeshift cast to support his arm until we could get him professional help. So after tending to him, we didn't have much daylight left, so we set up camp by the river where the camper hurt himself. Later that night, I was in and out of sleep, near the campfire that we had going. At one point, when I was dozing off again, I began hearing twigs snapping in the distance and leaves shifting, those sounds drawing closer to where our camp was. Then, when they were right next to the tree line, I heard a voice that sounded close to one of the male counselors we were working with. It spoke in an odd way, as if the person asking the question didn't care at all for an answer. You all right? Something told me not to move or get up or answer this voice. Despite not hearing any more movement, when the voice came again, it had closed half the distance between us, now sounding like it was right next to me. You all right? I was beginning to shake. I was so scared. I knew the counselor who had this voice, and something deep down told me 
This was not that person. I did not reply to it, and in moments, I heard what sounded like an animal scuttering away through the underbrush. Then the counselor, who I thought it was, came walking back into the campsite in the opposite side where that thing had came in. He went to take a bathroom break and had rushed back because he was checking on all the campers, making sure we were all here safe and asleep. When morning came, and believe me, it couldn't come soon enough, we began our final trek to the pickup area to get back to the main camp, which was two hours away. As for me, I couldn't feel more on edge. I felt like everyone was looking at me, giving me strange glances. They could probably tell just how scared I was. We finally made it back to the pickup zone, and we had to wait a while for the shuttle to pick us up. I had been holding in a much-needed bathroom break myself, due to fear, but I just could not hold it in anymore. I walked into the nearby woods to relieve myself. I wasn't even that far from the tree line. Out of nowhere, I heard something more disturbing, because the voice I heard this time around was my own voice. We're here. It only took me one second to start running right out of those woods into the panicked stares of my counselors and campmates. One of the counselors asked what was wrong, but I interrupted them, asking how long the shuttle was going to be before it arrived. Soon it came up, we got in and left that place, and ever since I haven't heard anything like those voices. When we did make it back to the main camp, I talked to one of the other campers about what had happened. He laughed and said, must have been a skinwalker. Never again will I go into the forest on a camping trip without something to protect myself, and I won't go anywhere in those woods alone. That was too close for comfort, because at one point that thing was inches from me. The Skinwalker at My Doorstep by Allison I am 17 years old, and during the time I've been alive, I've never experienced anything as horrifying as this. It happened about a month ago as of writing this. My mom was in India, and my dad was out on a business trip. I was given the responsibility to take care of my little brother. It was around 10 o'clock p.m. that night. My brother was in the middle of a gaming session while I was struggling with writer's block. Just when I had a new good idea for the romance story I was writing, I heard a knock at the door. My brother and I exchanged looks. We weren't expecting anyone. We wondered who it could be at this hour. We waited a couple of minutes, hoping that whoever it was would give up and go away. But another knock didn't come. Instead, what came was our mother's voice. Allie, open, open the, the door, door. it's mommy. Our mom? How did she even get here? She had been dropped off at the airport by my dad a few weeks ago. I knew then that something was wrong, no matter how it sounded. If this person really was our mom, she would have entered through the garage entrance, like she always did. She knows the garage pin number. 
so why she was knocking on our front door, I don't know. Jason, go upstairs, I told my brother in a low voice. He hesitated as he looked in the direction of the door. Why? Mom's home? He asked, confused. He began to appear frightened. I knew that wasn't Mom, but I didn't want to scare my eight-year-old brother. Just when I was about to answer him, the knocks we heard before became bangs on the door. They were loud and persistent now. Allie, JJ, I know you two are in there. The voice said almost tauntingly. My heart sank, knowing that I'll have to be face to face with this person or something sooner or later. Just go to bed, JJ. I tried to stay unfazed by the continual pounding on the door. Jason hesitated for a moment before making his way upstairs. I sat there in my chair, completely paralyzed in fear. Open it, open it, open it. The thing on the other side of the door howled. Whatever it was, it was no longer trying to disguise itself as my mother. It sent goosebumps up my spine. I suddenly stood up, angry that whatever that was was mimicking my mom. I don't like being tricked. Without completely realizing it myself, I marched toward the door and abruptly stopped in my tracks. Whoever was at the door was not human, not even the slightest. This creature had the blackest eyes. It was lanky, with ribs sticking out of its skin. It was so pale and impossibly tall. Just looking at it, it made me want to vomit. I don't know what got into me, but I screamed at the top of my lungs. Get out of here! I'm not letting you in! After that, it felt hard to breathe, and I could see its black eyes on me. I shivered in fear as the thing let out an ear-piercing scream before disappearing into the dark. After that incident, I ran upstairs and held Jason close, hoping that it didn't come back, hoping that my real mother would be home very soon. Until she did get back home, I was afraid that that thing had gotten her, that the way its powers worked was that it took my mother and stole her voice. I'm glad I was wrong. A while after that, I found myself searching on Google for what this could possibly be. And one all-too-close match was an entity called the Skinwalker, something that has the ability to disguise its physical appearance and voice as other animals, even other people. I still am not over this incident. I don't think I ever could be. I don't think this is something any sane human can forget about. Skinwalker on Eagle Mountain by Sistel This happened a few years ago, but thank God, it only happened once. My sister went on a walk around 10 at night. Her name is Rosalie. It was a sort of cloudy and cold night. The moon was out and it gave off a little light, but she could still see well. I wasn't with her that night. I was safe at home watching a movie. 
When she was near the town park, she noticed a silhouette nearby that appeared to be following her. When she passed a streetlight, the person passed by it eventually as well. But when she caught sight of the thing's shadow, she knew it was no person at all. While the silhouette remained the same, the shadow itself was an amalgamation of dozens of different animals writhing and curling in on itself as if they were tied or fused together. Her eyes widened. She said she began to question her reality, so she calmly tried to walk away as it came a little closer. She turned around and began to speed walk now, barely able to contain herself. She was so close to her house, but a little too far. Taking a few looks back, she saw that it didn't approach any further, as if the thing had lost interest in her as she sped up. When she arrived home, though, she felt shaken up, nervous, and altogether terrified. My other sister asked her what was wrong, and she explained the whole incident. Even though I was nine years old at the time, gullible, of course, I still believe her story to this day. I remember the look on her face. I remember thinking it looked so real, so visceral. Her expression said to me that what she saw out there was real, and that has scared me more than anything. Pig-Faced Skinwalker by Elijah D. To begin, I'm one of those people who, when startled enough, I might just throw a fist. Anyway, I'm 15 and was at the trailer alone one day. I had just come in from outside because I'd gotten a weird feeling and I didn't want to stay outside much longer that day. I did forget to lock the door behind me, though. I was watching some videos online in the living room when I heard this clomping sound. Not like feet or boots or shoes. It sounded more like hooves, like a horse. And strangely enough, I heard them echoing down the hallway. Then they suddenly stopped. I felt the hairs on the back of my neck standing on end. I turned around slowly, expecting to see something straight from my nightmares. But as the hallway entrance came into view, I didn't see anything. Relieved, I just assumed something was wrong with my earbuds. Maybe they had been popping weirdly or something. But just as I thought nothing was wrong, I could see something out of the corner of my left eye. There was something moving around. I was not alone in this trailer anymore. I remember feeling so horrified. It was like something was pulling my soul out of me. When I managed to turn my head around, I saw a blur of movement. I was too petrified to move much more than that, and my eyes were watering. Suddenly, the lights flickered out, and my phone suddenly turned off. Everything went quiet. I forced myself to get up and move. I looked around, but could see nothing through the pitch darkness. I got up and followed the wall with my hands until I managed to make my way over to the window to lift the curtain to get light inside. As I was about to lift it, I felt something breathing on the side of my face. 
It was the most awful smell. Worse than decomposing animal. I gripped the string, then something scared me even more. I heard my name whispered through the darkness. Like I said before, as it was common for me to do, I involuntarily swung my arm out. I made contact with something I didn't expect. Fur, and underneath that, extremely hard and muscular flesh. I wanted to scream. I wanted to crawl out of the window or jump out. I began clawing and yanking at the drawstring and the curtain itself, causing light from outside to leak into the trailer, revealing to me my attacker. The figure almost appeared human for a moment, but then I got a better look at it. The creature was tall, and it was hunched over. Its legs and arms were very skinny and long. Its hands were claws, and they appeared more like an owl's. There were patches of fur and random spots on its body, but its face was like a pig's, but not at all symmetrical like a natural creature. It was uneven, with sharp teeth jutting out all over its mouth. I saw amber glowing eyes staring at me, and I swear, in that moment I saw it smile. The creature knelt down before me, in an entirely unnatural way. Its whole body shifted left and right in order to kneel, as if it had to break parts of itself inside, just to be able to move into that position. The smile turned into an open mouth, as if it was about to take a large bite out of my face. I brought my arms up, trying to cover myself, accidentally making contact with the creature. With a scream that sounded like ages of torment, the creature then went silent and still. When I opened my eyes, it was gone. I ran for the lights and turned them off since they had been on, and when I flicked them on again, the lights were working. Then I ran to the bathroom and locked myself inside. I peered hesitantly through the bathroom window to see a figure walking into the woods. Before disappearing entirely, it stopped and looked over its pointed, jagged shoulder, and I saw that smile again. Then, it crouched down like before, and a mass of oozing, flopping flesh flew off of it. Before I knew it, there was nothing more than a rabbit that quickly disappeared into the forest. I never stayed in the trailer alone again, afraid that the thing would come back. Nor have I gone into the woods alone at all, a topic that once fascinated me to no end. Skinwalkers are nothing more than a thing of my nightmares, and I will do anything to keep as far away from them as I can. The Thing by Donnie This is one of many eerie things that I've had happen to me over the years. I'm Native American and enjoy things like target practice, fishing, hunting since a young age. This happened when I was 12. My brother and his girlfriend, along with my friend, John, all went out camping together out in the desert one weekend. We joked around until about nine at night, when all of us kind of just got quiet. We were beginning to feel watched, 
like someone in the distance was watching us very close. I know it's a cliched feeling to talk about, but when everyone you're with suddenly feels the same way, it's something you just can't ignore. And as a Native American, I believe in what my culture has told me, and with so many spirits and monsters in our folklore, it can get you feeling pretty paranoid. To make me feel a bit safer, I grabbed my Ruger 556 from the tent, and my brother and John did the same with their weapons. About an hour later, his girlfriend had to go to the bathroom, so she got up and went about 75 feet from the campsite. Keep in mind, we were in northwestern New Mexico, and there's tons of hills there, mesas and canyons too. She said she saw something, something she described as, bizarrely, a half-man, half-coyote, sitting on top of the hill, just watching her. So me, John, and my brother walked to where she said she saw it, and the creature was still there. Except now it wasn't sitting like she had described it. We were watching something that looked almost like a coyote, standing on two legs, trying to mimic a person. After a while, it got back down on all fours and ran. Curious and perplexed, we followed it to a nearby canyon, where we soon lost sight of it. It was then, not knowing where it was, that we grew terrified. My brother and I knew what it could have been, but John, being of Mexican descent, wasn't sure. As we returned back to camp, all sets of our eyes glancing over our shoulders almost constantly, we explained to John and my brother's girlfriend what we believed it was. Of course, that would be a skinwalker. That night at the campsite, two of us stayed on guard at all times while the others slept. The next morning, bright and early, we packed up and were ready to go. But I wanted to stop by where we saw that thing the first time, just to check something. Unfortunately, somehow that creature didn't leave any footprints, even though mere meters from where I was standing looking at the lack of footprints, I could see all of ours from last night. My Recent Encounter by L816 I'm 17 years old, and it was last month on the 30th, just eight days after my grandmother passed away. I needed to go out into the woods to get some fresh air, specifically to a spot that I often walk to for some alone time and to smoke a little bit. I soon made it to the spot with my rifle by my left side. I pulled out my pipe, lighter, and my weed. I was about to load the bowl of the pipe, when I suddenly heard something that weirded me right out. It was my grandmother's voice, and it was coming from behind me. I turned around quickly, putting my contraband up, thinking it was a game warden trying to catch some poachers, maybe even teasing me by mimicking an old lady's voice. But to my surprise, there she was, just standing there, staring at me, my mouth hung open. Who, who are you? I asked. She responded in my grandma's voice, 
It's me, your grandma. Don't you recognize me? I leapt for my rifle and chambered around. I said to it, my grandma isn't alive anymore. Then she smiled, revealing angular and sharp teeth and a mouth that nearly stretched from end to end up to her scalp. I was sweating, my arms shaking as I aimed the rifle at her. I took a nervous step forward, trying to be as intimidating as possible. The creature that wasn't my grandma took a step back. It happened like this for about a minute. A step forward, a step back, until it began to disappear into the tree line. Before disappearing completely, it said one last thing to me, using a voice that only barely sounded like my grandma anymore. I'll see you again, soon. After it left, I slowly and carefully headed back to my vehicle, trying to maintain my composure so that it didn't sneak up on me in a panic. When I made it back to my truck, I turned and looked at the tree line, and to my horror and disgust, I saw that smile on a face that was beginning to melt away, melting away the bits that looked like grandma. I closed the door of my truck, and I floored it down the dirt road. I think I encountered a skinwalker that day, and had I not been armed, I don't think I'd be around to share a story with anyone. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the U.S., each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve separately researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Skinwalker on the Dirt Road by Haley Cheyenne Tin. I live in a small town in Florida where there isn't much more to do than riding around on dirt roads. It was around, I want to say, junior year of high school. Me and my old friend A were riding dirt roads one night. We were out late, maybe 1 or 2 a.m., 
because like I said, there's not much to do around here. We were coming around this corner on the road, and in my headlights, I saw someone standing in the ditch. Without thinking, I immediately put on the brakes and stopped my car. The person began to walk out into the middle of the road. Me and Day are staring at them, perplexed. Why was someone out here so late, just wandering around on some random back roads? Then suddenly, something happened that made the two of us breathe in sharply together. We saw that this person was seven feet tall, and they were no person, because people don't have legs that look like a goat's. And the way its legs that were goat-like had no fur on them, just pale grayish-white skin, it was disgusting to me. The creature looked like a malnourished abomination. The way its bones protruded through the skin, it appeared as if it hadn't eaten in ages. It was nearing the edge of the road before it stopped to look directly at us, and in that moment, we made eye contact with it. It had the yellowest eyes you've ever seen. We stared it down as it walked into the woods, and when it finally disappeared out of view, I regained my composure, floored the gas pedal, and we raced home. To this very day, I couldn't tell you what the face looked like. The most I remember are those menacing eyes. It wasn't until last year around Halloween, I started watching videos on YouTube some of the fringe stuff about cryptids and whatnot, and I stumbled upon videos that gave me an idea of what I saw that night. Now, I also have a family member who has Navajo heritage. When we went to visit them, I managed to get her to ask her older family members if what I saw was a skinwalker. Before she finished my story, the man she was talking to asked about the eyes. He asked if they were yellow and I remember very well that they were. Haunting of the Skinwalker by Kero Rochan I'll be perfectly honest, this was probably one of the weirdest things to ever happen to me. First of all, let me mention that we got the inspiration to go here because my brother said it was the skulking grounds for a skinwalker. He said that he encountered one here once, and had even fired at it, though he claims bullets don't do anything to it. Now I live in a decent-sized town in Ohio. About 20 or 25 minutes away from our house is a stretch of road that's surrounded by woods. There's a few farms around there, but it's really just used for public hunting as it floods horribly sometimes and the city closes those roads with large metal gates. Alongside this road is a small cemetery called Henline Cemetery. It's a tiny family plot, with the last grave being from the 1850s. The city still does maintain it, and all of the old headstones are gone now. So they, the city, put in one large headstone with all the graves listed there. It was down the path a little ways from this cemetery, that my brother first encountered that creature. Anyway, my girlfriend and I were out there hanging around with our friend Jeremy. We had decided to check out this cemetery and walk around for a little bit, seeing if we could creep ourselves out. Michaela, my girlfriend, 
is a big paranormal fanatic. She loves paranormal stories and the like, and she wants to see this thing my brother saw. But I'm not going to lie, I wanted to see it too, and so did Jeremy. We get to the tiny cemetery, pull off and start to walk around. I've got anxiety, and it tends to show up at annoying and often random times. And at that moment, I felt like I was being watched. I tried to swallow it down. Again, I knew I had anxiety problems, and maybe I was a bit excited at the time. Now the path the hunters use here is pretty narrow, so we had to go in a single file line. With me in front, Jeremy in the middle, and Michaela in the back, the walk was pretty uneventful. All we saw was really fresh coyote poop. No big deal. As for coyotes, they usually don't bother you, but it was getting dark, and the path itself was full of holes, roots, and downed limbs. So we decided to just turn it around and go get some supper. After eating, Jeremy decided to go back to Henline. The pull-off is never closed, because the region is for public hunting. So we pull in and Jeremy gets out. Michaela and I stayed put, though. The feeling of that place had completely changed from during the day. It was paralyzing, nauseating even, and I could barely breathe. It was just a feeling of pure evil. Suddenly, we saw Jeremy racing back to the car and jumping inside in a panic. We asked him what was wrong, and he said he felt something pull him into the cemetery. He fought himself away from its grasp and ran back to the car. He didn't have to say much more than that, and I was pulling out and speeding out of there as fast as I could. We're going back eventually, but not at night. Never at night. And we're definitely going to bring some sort of protection with us. I, I still want to see this thing. I just wonder if it was the creature my brother saw who attacked Jeremy. And I wonder if it grows stronger at night. I wasn't scared, but I am now. By Bearbeard822 I work nights as an ASDA colleague. ASDA is a member of the Walmart family here in the UK. Just a little background about myself before I get to the main events of that night. I'm 24 years old, living in Manchester in the UK. The job I work requires me to pull heavy pallets of beer, wine, and spirits from the warehouse to the shop floor and stock the shelves. It's certainly not the most glamorous job in the world, but at the very least, it pays the bills. In this job, I'm contracted to work Friday to Sunday. I should also mention I'm going to be joining the RAF soon, and will be using this job to get by while I train so I can pass fitness tests. Anyway, it was time to work my Friday night shift. I was on my way to work, traveling through the old reservoirs not too far from where I live. As I'm riding through this rocky dirt road, that cuts through the densely wooded area between the middle of the bodies of water leading to the hill. I'm bracing my already aching legs when I begin to get the feeling that I'm not alone out here, like someone is watching and you have no idea what their intentions really are. I've never been a run-like-a-coward type of guy, so by the time I get through to the other side, 
I'm really wanting to know why I feel this way and who might be watching me. So I stop at the bottom of the hill, partially to give my poor legs a rest and to see what is watching me. Of course, the entire time I'm still feeling that familiar gaze, the gaze of the unknown taking in my body at different angles. I park my bike. I walk over to an area where excess water runs off into the other reservoir. As I'm standing there, the sun setting and glistening vibrant red and orange against the water, blinding me for a few seconds while my eyes scan the horizon and opposing treeline, I don't see anything. I must have stood there for maybe 10 minutes, all the while still feeling that feeling. Assuming after this point I'm going crazy and just feeling paranoid for no particular reason, I get back on my bike and I proceed to agonize my legs and lungs with a 10 minute ride up what felt like a 45 degree angle until I hit the flat ground at the top where the road meets a park path to the left. I stop at a nearby bench for another breather. That park is mostly grass. Long and winding paths dot the area. It's a big cut through to multiple places, hence why I'm using it to get to work. It's 8.30 at that point, and I've got another 45 minute ride ahead of me to get to work. So I've got some time to sit there, reply to a couple of texts and wait. Then comes that feeling again. It just falls over me like a veil. Behind me, about 50 feet up to the tree line, that's where I feel it coming from. I lit a cigarette and listened for a moment. I wanted to hear something, a noise, anything, because at this point it was making me mad. Whoever or whatever there was out there following me or watching me, they would know they were following the wrong guy. I took that final burning drag that stung my throat, and I was finished with my cigarette. I flicked it away, and I stood up, turning my face to that tree line. I still didn't see anyone, but I could feel someone's eyes boring into the back of my head the moment I turned around. Either to soothe my paranoia or put a stop to this bullcrap, I began to walk over to those trees where I sensed it, I'm about 30 feet away from it, but I could still only see darkness. It's already dark out now, with just the ambient light from the setting sky's twilight, only dimly lighting the darkening park. I continued walking, staring into a bush, when I suddenly got a feeling that I should not be doing this, a feeling of regret that was growing with every step. Hairs on my neck were standing up, same for the hair on my arms and my head. I shook it off. As hard as it was to ignore, I quickened my pace. It was so fast, it happened in the blink of an eye, but at the same time it felt like an hour passed by. About ten feet from the bush, my ears began to feel pressured, like they do when you're climbing a great altitude. But I was in a park in the middle of Manchester. Then... I watched the bush twitch for a moment. Fear kicked in, and I felt paralyzed. Something inside the bush chirped, then growled, and whatever it was, was black as night as it came out of the undergrowth. It had something in its dog-like maw. It was four and a half feet tall on all fours. Its eyes, 
Ugh, my goosebumps act up writing this now. I feel like the hairs on my skin want to burst just thinking about it. Its eyes were red, and I don't mean bloodshot. I don't mean glowing from the light of the sky either. I mean they were red with pinprick small pupils. Its arms were long and veiny, and its legs were massive and powerful from what I saw next. Its head darted up at me. Fight or flight kicked in, and I reached out to punch it right in the snout, but that didn't even seem to phase it. The creature stared and growled as I went to land a kick, and I screamed at the top of my lungs at it. It stood after a good belt to the face from a size 10 boot, and I kid you not, the creature was a foot taller than I was, and I was a little bit over six feet. The creature then dropped a gray cat from its mouth as it howled a gross gurgle that I can only assume was a mixture of pain from me hitting it, saliva, and fluids from the poor cat. It darted away from me. I don't freaking know why. It ran in the direction I came from. I felt woozy. I went for my bike. I sat on it for a moment, shaking and staring. It took me a moment to realize that creature had human hands. Needless to say, I wasn't going to be traveling that way for a while, because I don't want that thing to finish what it started. And after that, I rode home, calling in sick for the weekend. If anyone else in the Manchester area has seen something like this, or felt something strange in the woods, let me know. Because saying that I saw a skinwalker here in the UK sounds crazy. I Didn't Believe in Monsters by James David Dyer I never really believed in monsters, but I always enjoyed reading about them. Even a couple of days before my camping trip, I was watching videos on 411 missing people. I guess the unknown and undiscovered really piques my curiosity. This particular experience happened back in 2015, when my two friends, Tony and Ryan, planned a spur-of-the-moment camping trip with me. We planned for the following weekend as we each had no plans of our own, so it sounded like a fun idea. We headed out one late, we headed out late on a Friday evening to a spot a few hours from my house, through the canyon and into the mountains. This area of northern Colorado is known for its bears and mountain lions, but we weren't worried. We were three big guys and two of us were bringing heavy firepower to deter any unwanted guests. We checked out a few locations when we neared the area we wanted to camp. A few spots were a bust with a lot of people out for the weekend. Luckily, though, we found a spot more secluded and set up camp. It was supposed to be nice and sunny out that weekend, and I had planned on jumping in the nearby lake. Rain clouds began to form in the distance, and the weather became cold as night neared. We sat around the campfire, telling jokes, a few ghost stories, really having a blast, despite the weather. As it approached midnight, we called it good and put the fire out. Tony went to his two-man tent, and I went to the tin-man tent that Ryan had set up. As I crawled into my sleeping bag, I passed out within minutes of my head hitting the pillow. It must have been three in the morning when I woke up with the urge to go to the bathroom, 
I crawled out of my sleeping bag. I found it hard to walk. I was stumbling around like a drunk, not being able to find my balance. I kind of found my composure for a moment and exited the tent. Once I began to move around in the pitch black, my vision began to sharpen a bit. Only it wasn't pitch black. It was more like gray, and my vision had become distorted like a bad television picture. With the strangest sensation, I stumbled forward, managing to alleviate myself against a nearby tree. I headed back to the tent when I was done, with an intense, eerie vibe taking hold of me. I awoke the next morning, not really giving what had happened the previous night much thought. That was until Tony mentioned something around the breakfast campfire. He said the sensation of his balance had been taken from him when he exited his tent a few hours after heading to bed. He said it was the strangest feeling he had ever had. He hadn't drank any alcohol that night. I told him my story, concurring with him, but we both thought nothing of it. Probably just something we ate or just a one-off thing. Then we quickly focused on the day of fishing ahead. After spending the day at the nearby lake, we retired to our camp with our catch and prepared a nice fish fry. We sat around the campfire until close to midnight, then headed off to bed. After a few hours of sleep, I awoke with a sick feeling in my stomach. I was in disbelief that I felt like I wanted to throw up. It made no sense. Why did I feel like this again? I decided to turn over and try to go back to sleep, trying to fight it, but the feeling pestered me until I had to jump up and run out of the tent. Only I couldn't run. I stumbled around again in a peculiar fashion while trying to reach for the zipper on the tent. I fumbled with it, managing to get it open at last and practically fell out of the tent. I staggered into the dark. I must have only gone 15 feet from it, finding a spot for me to spill my guts on the floor where nobody would see it in the morning. I was growing ever more aware of my surroundings as I kneeled in the dark. In between heaves, I managed to peer around into the darkness, feeling how vulnerable I was all of a sudden. Just then, I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. I turned in its direction, thinking I should keep an eye on it in case whatever it was came at me. Coming through the dark was the shape of a man, but I heard no snapping of twigs or branches and the crunch of the forest floor below was absent. Hey James, are you okay? A whisper called out. My pounding heart finally relaxed a bit at hearing Ryan's voice coming towards me. Thinking that he heard me throwing up and came to check on me, I answered that I'd be fine and I wasn't sure what had come over me. He crept closer until I noticed he had stopped probably five feet from me, and he whispered again, Why don't you come over here? I looked up again, after heaving once more, thinking to myself, What does he want? Can't he see I'm sick? Irritated, I shouted him, What? To which he responded, Why don't you come over here? Feeling disoriented, with my head pounding, I slowly got to my feet and began to head in his direction. That's when I realized I was heading away from the tent. I stopped and turned around, trying to find the outline of the tent in the dark. I then asked Ryan what was so important that he needed me over there, 
to which he responded again, Why don't you come over here? This better be good, I thought, as I begrudgingly began to head in his direction. I heard another voice call out, Hey, Zach, where are you going? It was Ryan, except now his voice was coming from behind me, back in the direction which I realized was the tent. Confused, I turned towards the tent, and then back to where I'd just seen Ryan standing. The outline of a man in the dark was gone now. Just trees and forest floors surrounded me. I picked myself up and ran in the direction of the tent, finding that my equilibrium had returned to me. The real Ryan asked me again where I'd been going. I didn't want to sound crazy, so I just said I got turned around in the dark for a second. He went back to sleep then, and I, I laid there, listening in the night, watching for shadows cast upon the thin nylon. I didn't see anything or hear anything else that night. I'm not sure what I encountered in the woods. I don't know if it was a hallucination from being half asleep and half awake, or a skinwalker trying to lure me off deeper into the woods. But what I do know is that if you're camping in the Rockies of northern Colorado, beware of your surroundings and beware of where your friends are. The Man in the Forest by Nino I was 15 years old at the time. It was in Greece in 2011. My grandfather had recently passed away, so we thought it would be nice to take my grandmother to the place she met my grandfather many years ago. We were all spending a two-week holiday in the little island of Mokonos, the good thing about this place is that it's mostly little stone and brick homes dotted around the forest landscape, hardly touristy. Anyway, my father and I left the house one afternoon. We walked around the large house and into the forests surrounding the property. We took a day pack with some standard equipment, as well as our phones and a camera, because at the time my father worked as a freelance photographer. We began by leaving the area which surrounded the house we had rented and took off towards the center of the island where the forests were. We had left the house just a few hours after midday as it got quite hot in the middle of the day. By the time it was 6 or 7 p.m., we had made it to the woods, but we knew we had to turn back soon before it got really dark. We set up the camera, took some beautiful photos of the landscape, as well as the various wildlife. That's around the time it started to get weird. I followed my dad a little further into the deeper reaches of the forest when we began to hear something strange. We assumed it was one of the larger animals of the forest bunking down for the night, so we pushed on. We came around the corner to a ravine, inside of which was a man. He was weirdly dressed in purple drapes and what seemed to be a turban, like formal religious dress in the middle of a deep and dirty ravine in a forest on a desolate island in Greece. And the man was not alone. He had with him a dirty shovel in one hand and was digging a large hole, and beside him was a figure whose gender and looks I could not discern because of how dark it was getting. 
The figure was lying on the ground, and their face was in the dirt. They were lifeless. My father started to take his camera out from its respective bag. He removed the lens cap slowly and positioned the camera forward toward the figure, hoping to capture a photo of the man in the act. But my dad clicked the shutter button too early, causing an audible snapping sound, yet capturing nothing but the grass below us. The man snapped around, his eyes meeting mine. My father and I took off. We didn't look back at all until we reached the edge of the property. We had no idea how long we had been running by then. We stopped to finally catch our breath and glanced back into the woods. It was pitch black, the sun now completely over the horizon. We shuddered and walked back inside the house. That night, we filed a police report. The next morning, we were due to leave, and when the sun had risen, we packed up everything and prepared to leave the house. But as we were leaving, we noticed something on the doorstep, a dirt-covered shovel. My dad swears we'll never go back until the police are sure they found the man. Be careful telling the forest your every secret. By Weird Ola. There was a strip of forest very close to my home, and sometimes it was the only place I felt comfortable. I was a very shy child, and I did not get along with other children in school. I was extremely reserved. My parents always forced me to mix it up with the other kids and take part in after-school activities, but the only place I ever really wanted to be was the woods. There was something peaceful about that quiet, the only place I wasn't judged or ridiculed. I used to love going out there, walking around, drawing. I knew my way around the forest, as I'd been there so many times before. On a particularly bad day for me, I went out into the woods and didn't feel like drawing or walking around. Instead, I sat in a quiet spot, and I simply talked to myself. Or maybe not to myself, but to the woods. I was a very self-reflective child, and I remember the first time I just sat there, just talking to myself or no one in particular. To others, it must have looked like I was crazy but I was talking to nature, the trees, and anything and everything around me. It felt good talking that way, and even though I couldn't hear anything reply back to me, it definitely did feel like at the time the forest was listening to me, and I would take the wind blowing through leaves as a reply. That's all I needed. I told it everything I was scared of, worried about, and just how constantly on edge I seemed to be. I was also very scared of the dark as a child, and needed a nightlight to sleep at night. I believed in ghosts and monsters, and even though my parents kept on telling me they didn't exist, deep down I just couldn't believe that yet. As I began expressing myself to the forest, I found myself feeling a little bit weightless, a little bit happier during the day. One afternoon after school, I was in my spot, sitting down, telling the forest my secrets, the usual. But there was something different about those woods that day. 
For the first time in ever, the wind was gone. The trees seemed calm, and the animals seemed to be in hiding, nothing at all around me making any sort of noise except for myself. And for the first time, I was beginning to feel unnerved by the place that had made me feel safe. I decided today was a bad day for this. I began to get up, ready to walk home, but inside I felt like I had so much more to say. But now, I felt like I needed to bottle things up again. The next day when I went out there, things changed again. It was just as silent as before, except for the animals, who were more lively, but in a very eerie way. They were acting in a way they had never done before. I saw squirrels, foxes, birds, and even slugs, and every time I noticed an animal, they were motionless and staring in my direction. It was as if they were mocking me. It's quite a disturbing feeling when the cute face of an animal scares you to your core. Even the birds in the trees began flying over me more and more, at several points almost hitting me, and when they sang their songs, they seemed to be laughing. This wasn't my forest anymore. Once again, I left for home earlier than usual, the entire way back, reminding myself that this is just nature, and with nature, showing any sign of weakness is a bad idea. Then came the event that kept me out of the woods for good, that turned my refuge into a nightmare. In the middle of the night, I woke up. There was a sound at my window that sounded like tapping. I rubbed my sleepy eyes and sat up. Then I looked toward the window. There I saw antlers. Curious, I walked over and looked outside the window. I was amazed at what I saw. There were deer, rabbits, and birds, all set in different spots in the yard, all of them looking toward my window. I think anyone would feel unnerved at the moment seeing something like this, but I felt more awestruck at first, the moment those creatures saw that they had my attention. They all turned in the direction of the tree line, in the direction of something new and terrifying. There, in the shallow part of the darkness, I saw two red eyes. They were massive eyes, angled in a way that made them look furious, daunting, and hungry. They stayed still in that part of the forest as the entire group of animals began to make their way toward the set of eyes, all while looking back at me, mocking me again with their emotionless faces. The moment one of these smaller creatures came within reach of the red-eyed entity, a pale, skin-covered hand reached out, squeezing what appeared to be a rabbit, and pulled it into the darkness with it, up toward where the mouth would be. The eyes closed only for a moment, and when they opened again, the creature dropped something to the ground, something that was missing pieces, something that used to be a rabbit. One by one, the animals seemed to line up, allowing themselves to become a meal, a victim for this unseen monster. 
I was so freaking horrified that I ran back to bed and covered myself with a blanket. There, I shook nervously until the sun rose. When I built up my courage, I went outside into the tree line to see if I could find any remains. I went to the exact spot I had seen those eyes. Was it a dream? Was it a nightmare? Had it been my anxiety turning my thoughts into something twisted? I wasn't sure, especially when all I found at the tree line was a broken off antler and a few splatters of red. That couldn't be all that remained of what I saw last night. Or maybe it was a coincidence, and everything else had been a nightmare. Either way, I took this as a warning to not go into those woods anymore. Something was telling me that I did not belong in there, that I was no longer welcome. And deep down, I physically had a sickening sensation, like... If I did go back in, then I would become prey. For the remainder of our time living there at that house in the woods, I played inside, finding any and every excuse not to go toward the woods. I know what happened to me may not have been more than a dream, but I'm sure you all would understand. After everything that happened to me, and then having a nightmare like that, I think there's more going on in those woods. And that's why I want to say, be careful telling the forest your deepest fears and secrets, because they are listening, and they will use it against you. Take this story, my most bizarre and disturbing experience, and believe what you will. As for me, I'll stay far away from the trees. The Forest Beside the Beach by Jessica W. I was an overexcited seven-year-old, and thanks to our TV, I'd seen a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have been able to see yet. Gruesome crimes, live births, and things like that. Despite it being fictional on our widescreen LG TV, it was still enough to make me curious and a little bit scared. Now, growing up in a family of six, four of whom are step-siblings, and being in the middle-aged group of them, nobody really cares about me that much. While that does sound depressing, it's true. I could look after myself and choose what's best, and there were times I was completely forgotten about. Luckily, I had a lot of self-esteem and confidence, I was able to stand in front of a crowd and make a fool of myself and brush it all off with a laugh in the end. But there came a day in my young childhood life when something happened that brought my confidence crashing down. One day, my step-sibling and I ran off into the undergrowth to cool off to get away from the hot sun on a very warm day. His mother had convinced my father to go to the beach and by then the sand was absolutely scalding our feet. Luckily, those beaches were surrounded by thick forest, so my step-sibling took me by the hand. We both smiled and dashed forth into the forest, feeling the cool relief of shade on our skin, but we ended up going much further than we were probably allowed. 
but that's the thing about being forgotten. You end up getting away with things, things you shouldn't get away with. The forest seemed louder that day. It was the afternoon, and the squeaks and chirps sounded desperate rather than neutral. But maybe it was just me. We were still laughing and joking around by then, until we heard the first growl. I had heard it faintly at first, but ignored it, thinking it was something else or a trick of the ears. Then came the second growl. I slapped my hand to my step-sibling's mouth, telling him to hush, then slowly removed it. We heard violent cracks and careless footsteps, as if something larger than us did not care if we heard it. Whatever it was seemed confident that it would be getting what it wanted. We gotta go, I whispered into my step-sibling's ear. He nodded, and we ran, until a soul-shattering screech ripped through the forest, causing the sudden silence to break, sending birds flying and rabbits and raccoons running, paying absolutely no attention to us, rather eager to get away from this thing. We followed our footsteps that we had imprinted into the wet mud. I believe it had rained the previous night, and thank the Lord it had or else that day would have probably been the end for the two of us. After several minutes, we burst out of the tree line, eyes full of sand. When I turned around, my eyes now watery due to the sand that had collected in them from the wind, I caught sight of something. It was seven feet tall and almost human-like, except for what looked like wings hanging from its back the two holes in its face. Its nose was not human either, more like a snake's, and apart from that, its face only had a mouth. It had these oversized arms that reached its knees, and the legs itself were fat, yet wobbled under its torso's weight. Its stomach was small yet chubby, and the color of its skin was a sort of whitish-bluish color. Its mouth was twisted into a sharp grin as it raised its large two-fingered hands, which gave its head a run for its money. The strange thing was, there were no teeth in its mouth. It seemed to wave at us, mimicking a sort of goodbye. I froze. Everything around me seemed to stop, and I did the one thing I should have never done. I waved back at it. Its grin stretched even wider until the skin seemed to rip at the corners. As I stood motionless, staring, my step-sibling yanked me by the arm and dragged me out of the woods. We had made it out alive, but I had not made it out in one piece, at least not mentally. I was more confused than I'd ever been, more amazed and more horrified, too. For a long time, that would bring me to the end of my story. But sadly, it did not end back at that beach. I don't know if something is out to get me, or if I have some sort of disability that's causing me to hallucinate that creature. But I've seen it from time to time. It's been decades, but I still see it. I wish I could get help but I don't know what to tell people. 
And what if it isn't something that's wrong with my mind? What if it's real? If people do believe me, what would we even do about it? Lost in the Forest by Alex When this happened to me, I was between 10 and 11 years old. I lived in the countryside, near the mountains in a country in Europe. The village in which I lived was surrounded by other small villages and towns, and from the other side, there were massive forests and mountains. My home, in fact, was on a hill, and north to my house there was my grandma's place, and to the south were woods. It was around autumn time, I think, and back then one of my chores was to go look for mushrooms in the woods, but my parents would never let me go alone. But because I enjoyed doing this, I would sometimes lie if I didn't have anyone to go with me, and my parents would let me go. If they didn't, I would sneak out anyway. Now, I don't remember what exactly I told my parents that day, but they let me go to the woods. I remember looking for the usual path that I took to the forest, but for some reason I thought to myself, why not try a new path? I was soon in the thick of the forests, searching for mushrooms, and despite me taking a new and different path, I knew pretty well where I was. But something in me compelled me to go a little bit further than usual, but not too far, I reminded myself. Otherwise, I might get lost. If I hadn't known these forests so well, I would have probably been lost in the first five minutes upon entering. It's easy to get lost in there for someone who hasn't been there at least a hundred times before, like myself. Now, I don't know how long I was in there, but I think I was still looking for mushrooms when I heard something that sounded like crashing branches. I was and still am very paranoid, so of course I nearly crapped myself as it sounded like something heavy was walking around. At this point, I turned around and began to nervously walk back the way I thought I came, but soon I found myself lost in my own forest. I was pretty mad at myself at first. I didn't understand how in the world I got lost. I grew up here after all and I hadn't even gone that far. I was walking past trees, desperate to find a path or something that I could recognize, but of course I did not. I started crying, still hearing the cracking branches. I tried to convince myself that it was just a deer, but my paranoia continued to rise. At this point, tears streaming down my face, I was praying while searching my way around desperately. I was looking for any kind of landmark I could find that would get me out of here. Then I stopped for a moment. There was a sense of relief flooding over me now. I didn't know why at first. I mean, I was still lost, but something in my head was screaming at me to turn around, and I listened. And what I'm about to tell you, it's true although it's going to sound very bizarre. When I turned, I saw a man in a white long dress with long white sleeves and dark hair. When I saw him, 
I felt even more of a sense of relief. It was like I was safe as long as he was here. He raised his hand, and he pointed it to the left of where I was standing. That way? I said. He nodded. I looked at where he was pointing, and then back at him. But when I tried to face him again, the man was gone. Scared out of my mind, I started running in the direction he pointed, and five minutes later, I broke through the trees. When I was finally out, I realized that I was on the other side of the forest, the opposite side of where I had come from. Somehow in that short time, I had walked several kilometers in the wrong direction. I made my way back home and later told this story to my grandma. And of course, she told my parents, who were not happy that I did that. And for a long time, I was not allowed in the forest. However, when I did tell my grandma about the man, she looked at me and said that maybe it was my guardian angel. I sure hope so, because if not, then perhaps he was the entity that had been crashing through the forest, and maybe he had simply decided to spare me. But I can't be sure. I'm just glad I made it out alive. The Woods by the Park by Sophie I'd like to think that ghosts are real, but I've never had any proof of their existence. So for most of my life, I've kept simply being neutral to that matter until I had cold hard evidence myself that the paranormal was a thing. It happened last summer and it all changed quickly. In my town, there's this park where a lot of people go during the summer. It's a very happy place that children go to with their families. There are many playground extensions for the kids and even a small water park. During the day, I always get very positive vibes driving past there. So many people all happy and dandy. Next to that park is some sort of forest. There's a very long bicycle trail there that countless sport enthusiasts like to roll onto, especially in the warmth of the summer under the cool shade of the trees. Personally, I've only taken my bike there once, and that was when I was very young. Anyway, at night, this place was entirely different. There's that awfully unnerving feeling you hear about that seems to inhabit the place after sunset. It's like how something so full of life feels when it's empty, like the corridors of an old high school after everyone is gone. My friends and I were between the ages of 16 and 20. We were a very close-knit group of friends, and we liked to go to parks and forests at night together, just for the heck of it. We were just hanging out, playing around with the different installations of the park, enjoying pleasant conversations amongst ourselves. At the time, I was getting these odd feelings that came in small, teeny tiny waves where I'd be kind of nervous. This never happened before because usually my anxiety is different and it would have a reason to it, but I pushed it to the back of my mind and thought it would go away. Suddenly, though, I felt something hit me. It's a very odd feeling and hard to explain, but I'll try. 
Imagine feeling a huge lump form in your throat, as if you were about to cry or vomit, but not feeling sad or tears or sick. It's like feeling your heart almost skip a beat and shivering from your shoulders down to your knees, almost feeling gooey on the inside, numb. Hey, you okay? You look kind of pale, one of my friends noted. Yeah, what's wrong? The other chuckled, not really taking my distress as seriously. He knows I've done theater for a long time, and he likes pranking me sometimes. But boy, did I regret crying wolf at that point. I... I don't know, guys, I managed to say. Soon, it wasn't only the lump in my throat. My heart was pounding as well, and I felt somewhat sad. But maybe my emotions were going haywire. That is what it felt like. I tucked my hands into my pockets, something I do when I feel vulnerable, and I looked toward the forest. It was so dark that night, we could see the forest illuminated by the moon, but nothing more. The bright, aggressive lights of the adjointed tennis court had shut off hours ago, and we were left in the dark for quite some time. There was this specific spot by the edge of the forest that I just did not feel safe with. Every inch of my body was telling me to get away from it. I decided to test this. I inched closer to it, and the feeling grew worse. I turned my back to it and took a deep breath, holding it. Let me tell you, even at about 15 yards from that spot, it felt like someone was going to grab my shoulders at any moment. So I quickly turned back and got away from where I was. What's wrong, my friend asks. Uh, it's just this spot feels... It doesn't feel right. I don't know. I don't like it. I want to get away from it, I explained, looking at the ground, trying to manage my brain, which was marinating in a cocktail of confusion and fear. I was just about certain I was going to have a panic attack, but I gave it the benefit of the doubt. Where exactly, my friends ask. I pointed at the spot and shoved my hand right back in my pocket. I felt so cold, I didn't want to be in the park anymore. She diverted her gaze to the spot I showed her, and then she said, What the? By then, all of us looked at what she was staring at. Exactly where I'd pointed, there was a tall, shadowy figure. It was gigantic, surely over six feet, but definitely under seven. It honestly looked like some giant man just standing there in the forest. But that shadow didn't end in feet. We could see its head in the frame of its shoulders and its arms and torso, but around its knees, it was faded and unclear. My God, my friend yelps, getting behind me. This is just what in the world? My other friend says. All of us stood completely still now, staring at the shadow that we were all seeing. There was no way it wasn't real. We couldn't simply all hallucinate the same thing. We all described it briefly, and it was the same to each of us. My friend, being the person he was, turned on the flashlight of his phone and aimed it directly at the shadowy figure. Ever so slightly, it shifted, and that's when we ran. We didn't go far, though, 
because we were too curious now, and I wanted to take a picture of me near the forest. I had heard that orbs may manifest in photos or videos of haunted places, so I stopped and took a photo. There were two orbs, one right next to my face. The other was near the spot that I was so uncomfortable with, but now the shadow was gone. I was in disbelief. We checked like 20 times to see if the orbs couldn't have been reflected by something, but no, and these orbs didn't look like bugs. By then, I had had enough. We all began running toward the parking lot, and I was beginning to feel dizzy. Quick as lightning, I unlocked my car and we piled inside. Sitting at the driver's seat and shutting the door, I get this huge wave of relief. Suddenly, it's like I'm free of stress that was building inside of me. Still, I had this odd feeling most people get after they're stressed out, like finishing a big presentation that you were nervous about. Your chest is still sort of heavy, but so light at the same time you just want to crumble down to the floor and breathe for a while. After I collected myself, I started the car and we drove away. My friends and I still don't know what that was, but it was no person. People have faces, people have feet. Maybe it was a ghost, or maybe something else. Something dangerous. Maybe that's why my body was itching to run away, far from that place. My friends and I bought a Ouija board, and we're planning to go back to that place to see if we can catch sight of anything. Some may call us reckless, but curiosity pushes us, and we need to know what it was that we saw. Either way, I don't think I can ever forget this. Who or whatever that was, it felt sad, it felt troubled, and it felt angry to some level. And I need to know more. The forests of this world should be respected. We are but guests to its majesty and danger. Without respecting it, you could very well end up lost, hurt, or you may not be found alive if you're found. So when you go back into the woods, remember, be prepared don't be a doofus and know that certain entities exist in there that you do not want to run into. So at any time, be ready to run. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the episode. And please, any iPhone, iPad, or Mac listener, give me a quick and honest review on iTunes via the link below. Also, remember you can share your stories at darknessprevails.org to have them in a future episode. If you want to support my channel further, go to patreon.com darknessprevails. For as long as you donate any amount, you'll unlock access to ad-free mp3 downloads of each episode, and I'll put your name in the credits of full episodes I air on YouTube. Thank you. Now, as usual, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous episode. Jose Dominguez says, I'll give you a skinwalker encounter. Hey, Jose, stop. I can only get so turned on, man. Zeppelin Girl 86 says, Is that my husband calling or something more malevolent? 
It's probably Jose wanting to give you that skinwalker thing he's talking about. Just ignore him and he'll go away. Andrew Vilkin says, time for that post-Halloween goodness. Mm-hmm. I'd do this all year, baby. Around here, the scares never stop. And that's why you should click subscribe. Shower Songs Gaming says, they should be called skin crawlers. Well, Skinwalkers is pretty fitting. I'll reserve the name Skincrawler to cockroaches because I had them follow my face at night when I was trying to sleep. Now that's skin crawling in multiple ways. And Ashley Shake says, Skinwalkers, just what I was craving. Yeah, Skinwalkers are cool and all, but I'm craving pizza and ice cream at the same time between slices of potato bread. Mm. Anyways, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. But don't worry, because more scary stories are coming soon. So stay tuned. Until next time, here are the credits to my patrons who continue to donate. They're amazing people. Stay safe out there and stay creepy, because this world is a strange one.